none of the other COs held it against Tucker. So long as you kept your head down, you could be the son of Sam and they'd give you a pass. Their prison workers' unofficial motto, after all, was pretty cynical. Raising your children, it went, because you chose not to. Carlson flicked his eyes back to the solitary prisoner for another half-second. Flynn hadn't moved since they'd pulled through the prison gates. Not a millimeter. Was it self-control? Or the result of the dented temple? This man here was something else entirely, Carlson thought. He didn't know any like Hangman, because there were none like him. They passed a sign for the town of Perry. Okay, Carlson said to Brian speaking the way you would to a ten-year-old, calm and deliberate. It's the next exit. I'm going to drop you off at the auto zone. If anyone asks any questions later on, the van was low on oil and I sent you in there to get some. I was waiting outside when you came walking out with the oil. Got that? Simple as pecan pie. Why can't I come? Carlson's mouth opened a little. He said nothing but eased the van off the ramp and down to the service road. The auto zone was a hundred yards up on the right. He swung through the parking lot, waited for a Toyota minivan to clear the fire lane, and pulled up to the front doors. Because you can't. He popped the locks on the van. Brian grimaced and got out slowly. He looked nervous, like he was being dropped off for the first day of school. See you in forty, Carlson said. If it's an hour, don't go calling me on my cell. Remember what we talked about. Radio silence. Yeah, radio silence. Brian slammed the door. Oh, and dude, Carlson said, leaning over toward the open window. Buy some oil, just in case. Brian nodded, his mouth open. Carlson shook his head slowly as he pulled out of the parking lot. Three minutes later, he was back on the highway. The silence in the van was different now. It was almost like the hum from an electric motor. Buzzing. Physical. Carlson checked the mirror. Marcus Flynn's left eye, the only one Carlson could see, was locked straight ahead, as if he was still staring at Brian's neck. An icy tremor zigzagged up Carlson's spine. Those eyes. The last things four young girls saw before they died. It was unnerving, was what it was. Carlson checked his watch. The prisoner was due at Attica by one o'clock. He'd built in some extra time by leaving ninety minutes before his scheduled departure. No one gave a shit. He could take this cracker swimming in the local creek if he chose to. He drove another three miles, watching the signs. When he saw one for the village of Warsaw, he took the exit, turned left at the end of the ramp, and accelerated up onto a two-lane road that cut between heavily wooded acres. The country spread out on either side of him, farmland and forest stretching to the horizon. Real backcountry out here, home to your native upstate shit-kicker. People didn't know you had shit-kickers in New York State, 
but the woods around here were as thick as anything down south. Carlson started to count the little country lanes to his left. They were just ten-foot gaps in the trees, with two muddy ruts between them. He had done two trial runs before today, and he could tell the lanes apart now. The one he was looking for was the one with the piece of red nylon tape tacked to the tree, the tape he'd nailed into the bark three days ago. There it was, fluttering in the wind. Carlson slowed and made the turn. In four and a half minutes, the van emerged from the tree line and out into a clearing. He eased the van to a stop. They were at the end of the lane, a broad, grassy meadow speckled with dandelions ahead of them. Carlson turned the key back in the ignition, and the sound of birdsong came wafting in the two inches of a...